Good morning, everyone. There's still some sheets being passed around. Some more sheets coming. We have enough, you think? All right. We are continuing our study in the fundamentals of the faith. Uh, just a heads up, this is going to be the last class of uh, this, uh, this one. Fundamentals of the Faith. Next week, everybody will be in here because uh, both Clint and I are out for CYC, um, and Hiram's going to have a combined class in here on Romans for the last class of the quarter. All right, so I'm not going to go through the things like I have in the past. Like I said, I'm going to continue to make that sheet, though, so at the end I can hand it out to everyone. You'll have kind of a brief description of all the different lessons that we've studied regarding Fundamentals of the Faith. Um, and today, we're just going to jump right in. Now, I'll be honest with you, I skipped a couple of them in the lesson book here uh, because uh, they were a little more than I wanted to tackle. I'll let you just let your imagination run wild with what those topics were. But today, I want to talk about the danger and reality of apostasy. So, what is apostasy? Does anybody, who, who wants to kind of tell us what that is? Anybody? Nobody knows what it is. Turning away from the faith, right? Falling away, uh, abandoning the faith, um, falling away from God. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, and we're going to start off by, by just kind of thinking about how we're saved. We're saved by the grace of God, correct? It's God's grace that saves us. Is that grace conditional? It is conditional. What would, that, what would that mean as far as the grace being conditional? Right. There are things that we also must do in order to receive that uh, salvation, right? Um, the Bible clearly teaches us that man is saved by the grace of God. And if you read in Ephesians 2, 1 through 9, I'll read that real quick. That kind of lays it out for us too. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us who lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts, like, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Jesus Christ, in order that in the coming ages he might know the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. All right. There we go. Also read about that in a short passage from Romans 3, 23 and 24. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came through Christ. So, like I said, in order to receive that grace, we must meet certain conditions. What are those conditions? Let's talk about that real quick. What are the conditions we must, we must meet? In order to receive God's grace, have to obey His word. You have to be baptized. I mean, it's kind of the, the fundamentals, right? You have to be baptized. Um, 
In Mark 16, 16, whoever, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will not be condemned. You know, it says in that passage here, this is off the, this is something I think I've thought about in the past. Um, it says in that passage there, and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe off. It doesn't, there we go. It doesn't say whoever does not believe and is not baptized is not condemned. You know, if you think about that, why does it why does it not say does not believe and is not baptized? This is just a side thought here. It's not necessary because if you don't believe, you won't be baptized, right? That's right. Um, and I think sometimes people will look at that passage maybe and get hung up, and it doesn't say anybody who is, you know, not baptized. But again. If you're not a believer, you're not going to be baptized. All right, um, let's see. So we need to be baptized. Um, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's in Acts 2.38, of course. Um, so those are the conditions, obviously, that are set forth that we must meet, or some of the conditions that are set forth that we must meet. Um it also teaches that, the Bible also teaches that God's grace uh, continues to save us. How does it continue to save us? So obviously God's grace, we have to have God's grace to be saved. We have to have God's grace to continue to be saved. Yeah, we continue to sin, so we have to, we, we, we need that. What, I'm sorry. Right. And is that continued grace? Once you receive God's grace, is that continued grace unconditional? No, it's not unconditional either. That's right. It's not a matter of if. That's right. It's by trying to do what, we, what we're supposed to do. And that's right. So that grace is also, like we said, that is, that is conditional. So it's conditional to, be, to receive it. It's conditional to keep it. Um, a person who is lost, obviously they don't meet those conditions, so they're not saved. A person who has fallen away, and like we said a minute ago, and have turned away from the faith and abandoned the faith, they no longer meet those conditions. So they're no longer saved, correct? It's not a matter of um, if it's going to happen, or it's not a matter of, you know, if it's going to happen, it's, it's, it's a matter of when that we're going to fail, and we're going to fall short, but like Chuck said, it's how we live and how we strive uh, to, to meet those conditions uh, is what allows us to keep that, that grace. That I don't know if it's picking me up or not. Sorry. It does not teach anywhere that once saved, always saved. That's something that uh, I'm just going to talk about. It. it keeps going in and out. Well, let's find out. Okay. Okay, I understand what you're saying. And, you know, I want to make it clear that I'm not, um, I'm not saying 100% that I have the answers to this. What I'm, what I, what I, all I can do when I read the Bible is read 
what it says and try to interpret that in that context as much as possible. Um, and I can see I can see multiple sides being, you know, correctly thought. But does anyone else have a thought on that? We've got two opposing views. Obviously, I'd like to discuss it, but being respectful to either view. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Okay. Anybody else? Okay. To know and to to know it and to miss out is uh, it's hard. It's a hard pill to swallow, right? When you realize you could have done differently. So again, I, like I said, I could see, I could see people taking it both ways. I'm definitely not the expert on this to be able to tell you, you know, any further than what I've done or what we've discussed. But if we'll move on, unless there's anybody else who wants to give us a comment or a thought on this subject. Okay. Moving on. Um, verse uh, we read Second uh, Peter two nineteen through twenty two. Um, in verse 19, it discusses that uh, by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. Um, anyone can be overcome by something and a sin, correct? Uh, verse 20 tells, says, one who has escaped the pollutions of the world. So one who has escaped corruption of the world uh, has been saved. They escaped through the word and knowledge of Christ as the Lord and Savior. Uh, and then there are these those two words in verse 20, you know, after and again, after they have escaped, and then again they are entangled. The point being that one, at one point they were saved, and then later they are no longer saved. The point being that you can, you can, it is not once saved, always saved. You can, and people can lose their salvation uh, by their their actions, their behaviors, and falling away from God and not doing those things that continue uh, to continue to meet those uh, requirements for the salvation. Um, again, it, you know, it says that there also, it mentions the, the latter end is worse. Uh, we just discussed that. We'll leave that alone for now. Um, but whatever, whatever that does mean either way, it's not good either way. Uh, it's bad either way. It just either either we feel awful or you know, whatever whatever the other side other argument could be. So let's look at the book of Hebrews as a whole. It teaches that one can fall away. Correct. Chapter six, verses four through six. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming of age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting to His grace. That's right. The writer describes, uh, you know, vividly there that uh, individuals who have become Christians have been enlightened and have tasted that heavenly gift. But it also says in the next verse, uh, but they have fallen away and they are crucifying again for themselves the Son of God and putting Him to open shame. You know, that's just what we need to think about. And I don't think we think, when we do things that are sinful, we don't, we don't really think about how the deepness of that. I know, 
you know, when I realize that I've done something that's, that's sinful, um, I think about how bad it makes me feel or, you know, if I've hurt anybody else or what, you know, what, you know, if you know, I need forgiveness from God for what I've done. But to think about, you know, crucifying Christ again, like, if you think about it that way and, and, and putting shame on him for what we're doing, that, you know, that's a different level there. That, that really strikes me. And I, it's, when I, it's not until I read things like this that I think about them a little deeper than just myself. Any thoughts or questions? Let's look at the book of Galatians then. As it does the same thing here. In uh, chapter 5, verse 1 through 4, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that you let yourselves be circumcised. Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You are trying to be justified by the law and have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. What's he speaking about there? Take a stab at it. He's talking to the, these. Uh, he's talking to the people, saying that if they if they try to choose to burden themselves again with the law, right? Uh, that they're falling away because the law is not not what it not what they're uh, to be following anymore. Correct? So Galatians, Hebrews and Galatians give us examples of those falling away. How about uh, the parable of the soils? In Luke chapter 8, verse 4 through 15. Let's talk about that one real quick. I'll read it, and then we'll talk about it. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and he was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path it was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on the rocky ground, and then it came up. The plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up, and it choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, and it came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, Whoever hears, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples asked what this parable meant. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that through seeing they may not see, through, though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in time of testing they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go in their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on the, ground, on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by uh, persevering produce a crop. The rocky soil, or the stony, the rocky ground, and the thorny ground, both examples of those who, who hear, hear the word and then uh, 
fall away, right? Any, any, who wants to explain that to us a little bit? I guess another thought I had was, where, where does our responsibility lie for those who are stony ground and, and thorny ground? I mean, how does that relate to us as Christians, as mature Christians? What, what can we do to prevent or to help with that? Any thoughts? What about when we have new Christians here? Once we get them in the water, we're not done, right? It takes a lot of help, a lot of uh, nurturing um, to help them grow. I know sometimes it feels like, uh, you know, that's, that's where it, we finally did it. We, we've, we got them to do what it is that they needed to do, but that's really just the beginning, as we all know. So I think it's our responsibility as mature Christians is to, is to continue to help these help new Christians grow so this isn't something they're not the stony ground or the thorny ground. Anything else? Or anybody? Jesus also teaches about the vine and the branches, does he not? This is uh, John 15, 1 through 8. I am the true vine and the Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does not bear fruit he prunes so it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean. Because of the word I have spoken to you, remain in me and also I in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine, therefore. So neither can you bear fruit unless you are in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, you will bear fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. The branches are picked up and thrown in fire and burned. That's just clear as it can be for us right there. Either we're in Christ and we remain in Christ and we continue to do the things and mature and bear fruit, or we're not. Again, it's clear that you know apostasy can't happen. That's kind of the whole point of this. Yeah, no, you're right. And what what besides the word? Obviously, it's every Christian's personal responsibility to to know the word. But what are your other requirements? What are the other uh, things that are must-haves in order to establish those roots. She's what about just being here? I've seen it firsthand. Examples of, of people who it's it's still they you know they they're baptized, but they still don't make that life change a priority. Where church is something that's going to happen for them. They're going to be at service. It's still a well. I can't be at service today. Instead of I can't do this because I have that day. And that's a that's 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 a lifestyle change for some people. It's hard to do when they first become Christians. It was for me. I don't know about any of you, but it's just you got to get you got to develop new habits, um, and those habits can be tough to break. And we'll talk about some things in a minute, some additional causes of people who fall away. But um, it takes that encouragement. It takes um, dedication on the individual themselves, but it takes them to to make those changes and to be here. We've had that here a time or two. Um, you know, obviously, I've not been in one, uh, but I can imagine what it is, and it's it's helped. But you know, classes are good. It, it gives them kind of a roadmap, but just being absorbed into the congregation by the members and helped along in every step. Because you know, I may be able to help them in one way, but you may be able to help them in a completely different way. And they start to realize what that that family means and that the support that they have here uh, with each other that that means that means a whole lot to, especially to people who have been looking for a while who may feel lost and they know they're lost
just that feeling of belonging to the church family uh, really goes a long way when it comes to encouragement to be here. Let's talk about some examples in the Bible of those who uh, we're giving, we're given exact examples. And it, this is, again, it's, you know, I think the question is sometimes in the world is, or in other religions, is that whole once saved, always saved? Well, there's so many examples in the Bible and verses and passages in the Bible that if that was the case, these would kind of be pointless. They'd be meaningless. Uh, but who has an example? Who wants to give an example of someone we know in the Bible who was who was saved and then was lost? Judas, right? Judas, uh, what was that? That's uh, Acts 1, let's read Acts 1, 24, 25. I'll read that real quick. Um, just where they said, then he prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two, obviously they're looking for uh, someone to replace Judas, to take over his apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. It'd be tough to hear that. All right, so we know Judas is an example of someone who uh, was saved and fell away. What else? There's a congregation referred to in Revelations, or Revelation, um, right? Uh, let's see, I'm going to read that. I'm going to read that real quick, actually. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever hears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to the one who is of life, which is the paradise of God. Sounds here like the whole church, the whole congregation has fallen away. Why would, how, could, how could that happen? Is everyone in that? How could a, an entire congregation fall away? It doesn't take much. And a lot of times you see little changes. They're little subtle things. And you can't see them when they're happening. And then you, as it goes along, you notice, when you look back, you can see all the things that you should have caught before. Yeah? Well, let, let me ask you this. Um... How do we how do we guard ourselves against right? That's right. So and, and it's an individual responsibility in that in that in that it's our individual heart. We have to investigate our own hearts and know where we where we stand. But also, if we want to protect ourselves and not let ourselves be vulnerable to false teachings and things of that nature. Um, it's also our individual responsibility to know what the truth is, right? And not just to rely on someone to tell us because I think that's how easily we can just get veered off course without um, without even knowing. It's, it's uh, together, but also individual. As we have a responsibility on both, uh, both sides of that. Um, moving along, I'm going to tell you a couple of others. I think we're going to run out of time on this. Um, uh, let's see, there was an example in, 
1 Timothy chapter 1 of Hymenaeus and Alexander who had been delivered to Satan because they rejected the faith and suffered um, shipwreck and guarded their faith. Also, it mentions later on in 2 Timothy, um, Hymenaeus and uh, Philetus, they strayed concerned the truth. Simon the sorcerer, after becoming a Christian, behaved in such a way that his heart was not right in the sight of God and he needed to repent and be forgiven. So not only do we have scripture explaining uh, that you know, apostasy can happen, you're, you're not, you, we can't take that for granted. We have to continue to, continue to do the things and meet the conditions. Um, but there's also examples of people um, in, the, uh, in the Bible uh, who fell away. Um, let's talk about some of the various causes that uh, can cause Christians to fall away and lose their salvation. Who wants to start? Who wants to give me some of those? Or let's just say some out loud. I'll start on one. First of all, it's just lack of faith, right? If you if you just have a lack of faith, um, that's you know you're probably not going to last uh, very long, and you're going to stray away. And that's in Hebrews three, uh, verse twelve. What's another one? They should be on the handout. Yeah, you start to, I would say that would fall in where you fail to grow. It's great at first, and you got, you're on fire, like they say, and then you just kind of fail to grow, and you don't, you don't, you don't go any further. There's the deceitfulness of sin, lusts and pride, uh, persecution. That's something we deal with. Do we deal with, do we fall away due to persecution? Or are we kind of privileged to, Maybe not feel that as much as some. Yeah, it's really odd, you know, when somebody like if you think about um, people in sports or in in Hollywood or something like that. The, the oddballs now are the ones who stand up for their faith, right? Because they, um, or do anything. So that could be seen as persecution. But you're right, especially young people um, in colleges now. They have to deal with that all the time. And uh, could that lead them down a path of just kind of not maturing as they should. Um, cares and riches and pleasures of life. Um, we mentioned already false teachers and teaching. Uh, failure to grow. Do not count the cost. Underestimating the devil. Do we ever underestimate the devil? You think about the devil very often? You think about the devil when you're in trouble you mess up. Yeah, a system that was even more polluted the first with the Pharisees yeah, you're absolutely right, and I appreciate you bringing that up, because that is that's definitely a good example. It kind of sums it all up. Um, there's a few on the list that I think may, maybe it's just because, you know, I'm, I didn't grow up in the church or anything like that, so they were tougher for myself when I when I did become a Christian, was reverting, you know, the, the, the temptation to revert back to your old ways, not necessarily to an old religion, but that can be someone... Uh, an issue for someone as well, and then reverting back to old friends, um, you know, new Christians. When that's part of the stuff that we can do when we help to nurture those new Christians, is to help encourage them to look into those parts and those aspects of their lives and find out where it is that the problems could occur. It's going to be hard to break people people away from some relationships, uh, but they need to know what the danger is there, and they need to know the seriousness of.
you know, what they've, what they've chosen to do and the change they've decided to make in their lives, and they need to make all the necessary precautions and take those precautions to prevent that because... Let's finish up, we're not going to, let's finish up real quick with, um, once someone has fallen away, can they come back? They, they can, correct? How did they come back? What are the steps? If you had to say there are steps, if you think about, um, obviously we know what's required, the first law of pardon, and then the second law of pardon, what are the steps for coming back? Right. So, first step, like you said, first steps to repent, right? What's the next step? The next steps to pray, right? All of them, the examples that were given, uh, and a good one was of, of David in Psalm 51, uh, 1 through 12, is prayer. Praying to God for forgiveness, uh, and that's, that would be step two. I want to move a little faster. Step three, Confess. Confess the sins to God. Who else do you need to confess your sins to when, you come, when you're coming back? If you've fallen away. People you may have hurt, right? People, we confess our sins uh, to our brethren. Um, and then the other part of that that's, that's hard is, you know, going down front, right? If it's a public sin that the church knows about, we're supposed to be down there asking for forgiveness for that. If it's a private thing that we've done, we'll probably settle that up with the person that we've, we've offended. Um, but we need to, I don't know what it is about the stigma, but I feel it too, is even times when you feel like you want to you go down front and you want to ask for forgiveness, you want to ask for prayers, and that's a tough first step to make. It shouldn't be that way, but it is. And I don't know how we get past that, but... I just want to encourage you all, I guess, here, since the, that's the second bell, is to think about that a little bit. Let's see, what, what can we do to encourage people to do that, encourage ourselves to do that more often, because we know it, it's only a benefit for us, and it also encourages others who may be sitting back there struggling the same. But that doesn't need to be a scary place. That needs to be the place where we just need to get to. We feel like we need to be there. Uh, we need to ask for that forgiveness. So, again, what we've talked about here is the dangers of apostasy. Uh, it is, there is no such thing as once saved, always saved. We've got plenty of scripture that argues that. We've got examples of people in the Bible that argue that. Um, and therefore, if that wasn't something that could happen, those would be meaningless scriptures. Um, but the beauty of it is, even when we do, God has a desire for us to come back. He wants us back. And we always need to know that and keep that in our mind so that we're, you know, we know that no matter what, we can come back. Again, so next week, everyone will be in here. It'll be a combined class. Hiram will be teaching the last class of the quarter for Romans in here. Um, on behalf of Clint and myself, really appreciate you all coming to this class, the comments that you made. Um, it's, this is a first for me. Um, it was out of my comfort zone, but I've really enjoyed it, even though sometimes Cassie may think that I you know, fussed a little bit and seemed a little stressed out about it, but ultimately, I've really enjoyed it. Um, Thank you, and uh, have a good rest of the day.